What's become evident to me is that there's a certain contingent of people that think injecting good times or humor into fly fishing is strictly forbidden. I could really easily edit out all the bad casts and the hooking trees and snags fish and things like that, but that's not real. Can't tell you how many times I heard, well, when I was in Montana, we caught a lot more fish than this. The general notion is that a faster, stiffer fly rod is a better fly rod. But that is not always the case. You don't learn to tie knots in the river where there's fish rising in front of you and you're freaking out and hurrying and trying to tie this knot. No, you do it while you're watching TV or whatever. Hey, I'm Ben. I'm a huge fly fisherman, and you're listening to the Wild Initiative Podcast. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I would rest at peace for eternity if my legacy was that I made a positive influence on the non-hunting public about what hunters are and what hunting is. I finally got my buck on our last real day of hunting. So a pro-hunting organization is voting against hunting. And that says anti-hunting to me. There was a year straight where I was averaging up to 200 death threats a day. And I hugged it. Like, I just wanted to hug a bear. It's proven that the average steak in a grocery store touches 50 to 100 hands and machines. And we're putting that into our body. Hey, y'all. Cable Smith, host of the Lone Star Outdoors show here. This is Adam Weatherby. I'm Corey Jacobson of Health 101. This is Christy Titus. Hey, folks. This is John Bear. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, y'all. So getting on to today's episode, this one's going to be a little bit weird. Um, I uh, About a month and a half ago, I went fly fishing in Utah with the one and only huge fly fisherman, Ben Siddig. Uh, he and I sat down after our first day of fishing to record a podcast. We got through, uh, we got about halfway through the podcast and we were cooking dinner, you know, we were tired. We had just been fly fishing all day long and 
one of uh, one of the other folks that was fishing with us showed up. And so we took a break to finish dinner. We were going to re we were going to finish the recording and we just never ended up doing it. And then suddenly I'm moving to Montana and uh, things are crazy. Finally, you know, a month and a half later, we were able to sync up and finish the podcast. Problem is, we really did not remember what we talked about the first time. And far be it for me to actually go back and review it. So we just kind of had some fun recording the second half of a podcast. So this one might be a little bit disjointed, a little bit weird, but, uh, you know, that's who I am. Disjointed and weird. So hope you all enjoy this podcast with Ben Sittig, the huge fly fisherman. I am sitting here with a huge fly fisherman. Is that me? That's you. Oh, that's you. Um, I don't know. I couldn't tell by the stickers or the hat or the sweatshirt. It says so right here and here and here. Uh, I'm here in Utah, somewhere in the beautiful state of Utah, and we're doing a little, if you haven't guessed it, fly fishing. We're fishing. Here with Ben Sittig, huge fly fisherman ben thank you one i mean i reached out uh after my episode with rebecca lentz uh-huh. uh she was like oh you gotta follow this guy he's awesome I'm like okay so i go check out. i start following you i'm like oh wait you're in colorado reached out and said pretty much uh hey i know you don't know me from adam but you want to grab a beer and now here we are week later we are in utah doing some fly fishing having some beers eating some Awesome chicken, sausage, jalapeno, bacon-wrapped goodness. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it all worked out, man. The schedule's lined up, and uh, I needed some more butts in the boat to try to catch some fish. (laughs) (laughs) I did catch some. We wasn't... uh, Fish were caught. Fish were caught. There was a a couple of just absolute (laughs) monsters. You know, I'm sure I'll post another picture of the... uh, (laughs) I, I would I would I would definitely categorize that as Hog Johnson, um, Leroy Brown. There you go. We got him straight from Brown Town. I mean, there was a sign there and everything. It, we were just straight <laughs> ripping lips the whole time. Um, <laughs> Lord. Uh, um, anyway, so uh, but yeah, it's been a fun day. Um, got some got some time on the water. Got a few fish on the fly. I started actually improving my casting significantly. Yeah, you did great. And you threw two different rigs. You threw a heavy rig and a light rig and you did great. I I told you at the beginning, I was like in 30 minutes you're going to be much better and it just got better and better and better. There we go. Yeah. Well, fly fishing's one of those interesting things because you do have to change up not just your rig but your form and everything for significant like Fishing in a in a boat like we're doing today is very different than fishing a yep. super shallow creek where you're you yep. know wet wading. Well, and we had today, for instance, we had to change up your form for whatever you were casting and for where you were fishing. You know, sometimes we we're up close because I rode the boat too close, and then sometimes <laughs> we were casting as far as we could because I couldn't get close enough. You know. Well, you know, and we were keeping track of your guide tips as as the day went through. You know? <laughs> yes, I think I came out ahead at you know a decent tip. There was a lot of adding and subtracting based on my performance, but I, th- I think I did well overall. Side note, folks. If you are are going out with a guy, this is a joke. Please don't do shit like that because that's just 
add and subtract from their tip and and keep a tally of what's going on no oh 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 you got a little too close to the shore that's minus ten dollars just give them a good fat tip either way yeah i think that's, that's just, the best practice let's i think the the best practice is don't be a dick yeah like yeah. is is kind of what we're trying to get at some people don't know any better some people can't help it or they don't know they're being a dick so that's when you know maybe people like me take it upon themselves to let them know yeah, there you go so, uh, as as we have discussed, you are a huge fly fisherman. Yes. So, I have a YouTube channel called Huge Fly Fisherman. You can find it on YouTube. By Googling or YouTubing. YouTube. Huge fly yeah, search. Yeah. Um, so, how did, you, how did you get introduced to the outdoors? Like, what was your kind of introduction to fly fishing and all of this? My introduction to fly fishing was uh, ESPN Outdoors on Saturday mornings when I was a kid. You saw that growing up, probably. Nope. No, you not didn't. We're about the same age. I don't even know if they show that stuff anymore. So every Saturday morning, ESPN Outdoors would show hunting and fishing shows. And I, well, maybe I should back up a little bit. Um, I, fishing was not introduced be, to me by my family. I just found it kind of on my own when I was a little kid. And my mom knew a little bit about fishing. So she took me fishing when I was a real little kid. And uh, I always thought it was cool, and I was into it. And then when I was a little older, I saw fly fishing on ESPN Outdoors on Saturday mornings. And it was like Doug Swisher out there, 3M Scientific Anglers show. Um, and I just thought it looked cool. So we were in a Kmart one time, and I and there was a I remember it was like a thirty dollar Martin fiberglass rod and plastic reel, and I begged and begged and begged and begged and begged. And begged. And uh, she gave in. I don't know what tactics tactics I used, but it worked. <laughs> it worked. And so she gave in. And then uh, I immediately, we were staying at my cousin's house. It was outside of Atlanta. And he had a drainage pond next to his house. And I immediately took it down to the drainage pond and caught a couple bluegill with it. <laughs> and uh, So was this a fly, fly, was a fly rod? Okay, so this yeah. was an actual fly rod. Yeah, it was a fly rod. And I had been watching it on TV. And then I was in Kmart. And I'm like, Mom, this is, this is it. This is what I want. So it got started pretty quickly after that. Uh, but it was ESPN Outdoors on Saturday morning, to make a long story shorter. <laughs> well, so, I mean, you bring up a, a good point right there. You went, you got started in fly fishing as a kid with a 30, and, you know, maybe that probably cost more now, but, like, effectively a $30. Yeah, as cheap as you could get. Cheap yeah. fly rod and reel. That day, you're right. out catching fish. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, and you know, okay, for as adults, that may be a little more basic than we're looking for, but that's all all you need to get you started in fly fishing. Yeah, it's it can be very very simple. Yeah, and you definitely don't need a you know thousand dollar fly rod or anything like that. And uh, I think that's one of the things that's intimidating about fly fishing. I think it's people think it's very it's much more complicated or uh, involved than it actually is or needs to be. I'm curious. So as a guide. Do you do you get a lot of just brand new like people that are brand new to fly fishing? Um, well, let me clarify. I am, I think I'm retired from guiding, <laughs> so don't call me for a guide trip. But I did guide for a long time, and uh, to, um, you know, as a you know, I considered myself just an average Joe fishing guide out there, probably. 80 to 90% of them, I don't know, I mean, most of them, most people are beginners. I think that's a misconception of people getting into guiding is they want to get into guiding and guide really good fishermen and, and you know, go slam a bunch of fish. Well, that's not what happens. You're guiding people that have never done it before and don't know what they're doing. That's why they need a guide. So um, 
never ever sky i mean probably 80 <laughs> percent like it's it's a lot of them what are like i'm curious what some of maybe the the misconceptions you've noticed or e- either through guiding like new new people or just you know your time talking with people about fly fishing what are some of the misconceptions like i mean i know mine the one i had was when i first saw fly fishing i always thought it, one i never i always thought it was just dry fly that was the only thing you would ever uh-huh. fly fly fish with uh-huh. and that the the false casting because you know you always see in the movies the uh, false yeah, casting everyone thinks it looks super and cool and, and I always thought like you you were just trying to like touch the fly to the water right constantly and yeah. like it was like a a fly was flitting on the right. water and then the fish would jump up and eat it like I've heard, a magic I, thing I've heard similar things so you just like hover it above the water and the fish jumps out and eat it like no no that's not how it works that's like, I mean <laughs> if you watch too many movies yeah. it's kind of what it feels like yeah no and I mean I think that's that was probably that's probably the attraction for me in the beginning is watching that line wave around you know but uh it's you know a good fisherman waves that line around as little as possible you know well i think that's one of the big things i kind of learned too was i was getting better at i think i was a little bit timid with my casting because i wanted i didn't want to have that much line out um, and then as I, as I started getting a little more comfortable, I'd leave a little more line out and I wouldn't have to false cast two or three times to, to get it out to where I wanted necessarily. Right. Well, you just got more efficient as the day went on just by doing, learning by doing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's how all of this works. You're not going to pick it up and no matter how much you read or how many videos you watch, there's no substitute yeah. for getting out and doing it, you know, and you progress steadily throughout the day. That's why I think you should stick around tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the uh, the likelihood has been shooting up uh, every five minutes. Uh, um, well, so what are some of maybe the other, like, beginner mistakes you tend to see um, that people should be? Um, I, the one that, that is just popped into my head first is using your eyes and observing what is going on. Um, Meaning, you know, I'll see people walk up to a small stream and start fishing a small shallow section that's right in front of them. And they're just fishing away. And then I'll walk up to them and it's like, you know, say, for instance, a client that I had sent upstream, like, go find a spot. And I'll walk up to them like, what are you doing here? Like, there's no fish here. What do you mean? Well, look, I can see every square inch. <laughs> the thing's 10 feet across. I can see every square inch of it. Like, there are no fish here. I know that by looking into the water, you know, or, or just being aware of what's going on around them. Uh, like today we were looking way downstream, like, okay, there's some rising fish 200 feet away. Well, so we could get ready for it. So you need to, to, you know, look at what's going on in a broader sense instead of being so zoned in on your fly and what's happening with your fly. Mm-hmm. Look around, you know? Well, I think that also helps too, because a lot of the times you'll be, I, I noticed there's a few times I'd be looking at my fly and it would, like, I would be kind of like hypnotized by it. Yeah, like I absolutely. wasn't actually be like waiting for it to get stri- a strike. Right. I would just zone out focused on my fly yeah. and kind of keeping that, that peripheral vision as you're floating around and, and checking stuff out ahead too. Um, that definitely keeps you from like tunnel visioning. So you'll actually react if that thing. Yeah. If that dry fly, well, except you got to pay attention to what's going on around you, and you have to focus on your fly. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I, I definitely everything. know I missed a couple from you know either late. That's unfortunate. Late I've never missed or... a fish ever, man. Really? <laughs> no. Tell me more no. about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, 
So uh, maybe so it's a kind of keeping a broad keeping a broad perspective, and also you know you got multiple people in a boat, you're flinging a line around. Yeah, making sure you know you're staying in your lane effectively. Well, I mean that depends on you know what your position is in the boat. As the guy in the front of the boat, like you were today. You can do your thing, man. And then the guy in the back's got to watch out for you, and then I have to pay attention to what both of you are doing <laughs> and put the boat in a position to optimize both of your, your angling opportunities. Um, but, yeah, you just got to be aware of what's going on at all times, all around you, well, close and far. Um, well, I think we mentioned today you might hear a fish rise. <laughs> so you better not be playing music in the boat or else you're not going to catch anything. Unless it's reggae. <laughs> reggae we actually, can play other stuff tomorrow. Reggae actually attracts the fish. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I got, I got no problem with reggae. Puts everyone in a good mood, that's for sure. Exactly. Hey, the, the Miller Lite had nothing to do with that <laughs> no, either. No, not at all. No. <laughs> no. Well, and that's the thing. It's like fishing's fun. Fishing should be fun. It's the whole point for me. And I, you know, and there's like, there's times you want to be focused and learning and, yeah, it sure. may, you know, maybe you're practicing one thing, so it's not going to be super exciting. But when it comes down to it, you should be having a good time yes. out when you're fishing. If whatever you're doing is causing you to have a bad time, then uh, maybe you should look into other pursuits, I think. Or just change chill out for a bit. Yeah, just change things up. Change things up. Uh, what were we talking about earlier that was referencing or that was about that? We are talking about it on the oh, way out. Oh, it was uh, me, my back hurting, basically. Yeah, that's right. Your back was hurting. You are like, oh, I just wanted to sit down. It's like, well, then sit down. <laughs> well, and I did, but I also wanted, but I wanted to fish more. I get it. And, yeah. And, it, you know, it, I would sit down. If it was getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I just want to relax. I, I would sit down for a few minutes. and Yeah, but you, you want to also at the same time seize every moment yeah. possible of fish catching. Well, in me, but, I, I would tangle up my flies enough to where I would get to sit down pretty often anyway. Yeah, it did happen a few times. <laughs> yeah. But part of fishing for me is just, you know, like you said, having a good time. And part of that is sitting down on the bank mm-hmm. and not fishing, just kind of hanging out. That's part of the whole experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Like uh, today, I had just as much fun rowing the boat as I did fishing, you know? And it's, I wasn't fishing. <laughs> I was fishing through you guys. So what are some of the kind of initial, you know, somebody just getting into fly fishing, um, what are some of the initial things somebody could do to kind of prepare themselves to go go out on their first fly fishing trip? That's a good question. Um, I th- I'd say location is more important than anything. Um, and don't be afraid to go somewhere off the beaten path. You know, you go into your fly shop and they'll send you to the same place they send everyone else, or it's pretty fu- easy to find the obvious spots to fish but i would say don't be afraid to go out on your own and find a place to fish i think um and then also just you don't need a ton of stuff you don't necessarily need the waders or all the accoutrement (laughs) did i really just say that (laughs) you don't need all the doodads and every all the latest gadgets you can go out there with a couple flies and your tennis shoes and catch some fish um and like I said, it's more about the spot than the stuff, I think. <laughs> well, and so so then let's say that what's the what's the critical? You know, I've, I've covered this before, but it's a good reminder. Like from your perspective, somebody's like, okay, bare bones necessity, like re- within reason. 
what uh, what does somebody need to go on their first fly fishing trip? Okay, What's the you, gear? You do need a rod and reel. Um, you can try it with a rod and line like Tenkara fishing, but that's not real fly fishing, so you're going to need a reel. Uh, <laughs> um, rod and reel, some flies, leader tippet, nippers, maybe some little pliers, uh, floating split shot, That's and maybe an indicator if you're going to nymph. That's that's it right there. Um, you don't need fancy clothes. You don't need fancy bags. You don't need a boat. So I don't know how many items that was. Maybe eight items, all for under two hundred bucks, probably. Mm-hmm. I think you could probably get all that stuff for under a hundred bucks. But I think you should spend two hundred dollars getting that stuff. Uh, and then you get more important than anything. You got to have the motivation and. Uh, time to get out there as often as possible so what uh what's you know casting is probably the most important skill to start practicing i'd say um it's pretty essential <laughs> to get your fly out yeah. there I, I don't know if i would say the most important but it's pretty essential so what are you uh, what are what are some tips for someone that's just starting out with their casting practice practice while you're not fishing set aside time to just practice uh, you can go out on the grass. Learning on water is a little bit better, uh, but you don't learn casting while you're out fishing. You do that on your own time. Not to say that you don't learn significant amounts of you can. <laughs> while you're out. You can, while you're especially out, so, yeah. with me yelling at you. But um, I think you should, as a beginner, you should dedicate time to just learn casting on its yeah. own. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So I guess we're just coming back from a really long commercial break okay month and a month and a half long commercial break for part two well all right back to the podcast um so that was uh that was one of the the longer commercial breaks i think i've ever had on this podcast uh yeah i had time to uh take a few plane rides i got a haircut uh, it was, it was a good break. I moved, I moved a thousand miles, Yeah, <laughs> but we're good now. We're, we're all caught up. We're, 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 we're back in action. Well, for, and for those who are wondering like why the hell it took us a month and a half to get back to this is, you know, I mean, we were, we were recording and, you know, we were in the middle of also cooking dinner at the same time. We were at the, you know, I think th- that was at the end of day one of the trip. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we were cooking, we were getting ready and Carrie. Carrie came by and so we're like, Oh, this is a perfect time. We'll take a break. We'll finish it up later. And then things just got really busy. We drank a lot. Yeah. And yeah. And then next thing, yeah. Next thing we knew it was midnight and we had to go to bed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For a very successful fishing day the next day, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It was a rough go, man. We ended up figuring some stuff out on the third day, but it still was, was really difficult. And, um, you know, I, I didn't feel so bad. 
um, cause we got confirmation from some of the other guides that we know over there and everybody was getting their butt kicked. It wasn't just us, you know, and, and I was on a trip recently where someone mentioned something to that effect. They're like, I don't even need to ask other people that they're like, I know if I'm out here getting my butt kicked, everybody else is too. And so I, that makes me kind of feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, the first day was okay. Like the first day just felt like one of those days where, um, and we probably, I I don't know. I I can't remember what the heck we talked about. So we're just, I apologize to everyone listening if we're talking about stuff again, but (laughs) that first day just felt like one of those days where it's like, okay, we're seeing a little bit of success. We're getting some strikes. We're pulling a few random little guys in, but we're figuring it out. We're figuring out what they're biting on, what they're doing, where they're at. And then you think like you come out and the next day it's like, okay, we got this sorted. We got it figured out. Now, now we got this. And then the next, I mean, I don't, did we even pull a single fish in the next day? Um, I don't think so. I, I don't, I don't think so. No, we may have had some encounters, uh, but we did. Yeah. I don't think we boated anything. I know um, I know. I got at least one strike kind of towards the end. And I think that was about it for me. And then I think, I think Carrie got a couple, you may have gotten a couple, but yeah, yeah I can't, I, I can't really remember to be honest with you. Um, but I do remember the third day we, after you had left, we landed one nice fish on a dry and one nice fish on a streamer. Uh, but it still was just really tough. You know, the fish were really, really boat shy more than I'm used to. Uh, so we had to fish real far away from the boat. And uh, basically we got, I hate to use the word pattern, but we patterned some fish and um, there was, so there was a, some stretches where me, you and Carrie were floating on the second day and we had found some rising fish. Remember where we got out of the boat and we're walking around looking for those ponds. It was right yeah. in that area. There was some fish rising and, uh, and we went back the next day and had much better success with those fish because we took a much more dedicated approach to catching them rather than just, oh, we're going to float through here and see if we can catch them. We, we, we took a strategic approach and we ended up catching one and hooking and losing another one of those fish right in that area. Um, and then we were just banging streamers and, and got one. So, um, well, I mean, it put in- probably also helps that the wind wasn't so probably that as gnarly the second day because yes that's one of the big struggles when you're trying to cast far away from the boat and it's a day that's that crazy windy like we like we had i mean the last three quarters of that second day right it's just you're you're limited on what you can do you can throw throw streamers a little bit better than than dries but yeah dries you pretty much hose you can with a streamer you can kind of punch it through the window a little bit more uh at your own risk of hooking yourself in the head but uh yeah that third day there was no wind it was a beautiful day Uh, the water was slick and the fish were rising because they're in the slick water in the wind they don't rise as much if it's calm then they'll rise more because they can see the bugs and then we can see the fish so i mean other than just throwing a heavy fly say you're on a float trip and the wind and the wind picks up, you know, you don't really have the option necessarily to just go home, you know, head back to camp and and walk out a little bit later or whatever. You're pretty much, you're on the boat until you get to your pullout. Right. You know, what, what do you do in a situation like that other than just kick back and have some snacks until the wind dies down? Well, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Sometimes you just got to hang it up. 
but there, if 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 you want to talk about you know casting it, well, number one, if you're in a boat and it's really windy, um, well, first of all, it seems like no matter where you are geographically, the wind is always blowing up river. <laughs> That's just, you know, Cause it would never blow you down river. Why would that happen? So um, if you're having trouble maneuvering the boat, you turn the boat around and you row backwards because you're, you're much more, it's a stronger stroke if you turn around and row backwards and it's at the detriment of the fishing, but it comes to a point where it's like, Hey man, fishing is going to be secondary to anything. We just got to get this boat down the river. Um, but regardless of which way you're facing, if you know, there's certain things you can do for casting in the wind. Uh, I do have a video about casting in the wind. So you can put the wind at your back. It's much easier to cast downwind than it is into the wind. Um, you could try to keep your cast really low down uh, low to the water because it'll be windier six, eight feet above the water than it will be right on the water. Um, not a physicist that's just how i feel um so if you can do like a sidearm a, a sidearm cast low to the water i think that helps and then you throw a bigger uh heavier rod that you can punch through the wind more just by using more brute force which is a tough thing to do because generally using more force in a fly cast is the is a bad idea but uh but in the wind you got to do it a little bit or else you're just you know you're not going to get anywhere so there are, so there are thir- certain things we can do, but there have been plenty of times where it's like, all right, guys, crack a beer. We're just going to row down the river. And I think, you know, we kind of, we kind of did a little bit of 50, 50 with that. You know, yeah. we had, we, yeah. I think we put a lot bigger of a dent in the, uh, in the Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> then then we did the fish day. population. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, I mean, and then with that, and just in general, like, say, say it's a little more like the first day where the conditions were, were fine. And how do you, when you're just not seeing a bite, you're seeing them rise, you know, you've, you're kind of flipping through flies, I guess. What do you do just when they're, when they're not biting, you can't seem to seem to figure it out. Well, number and one, that's a totally you, loaded question. Like, oh, yeah, I get it. yeah, yeah. And, and there's no right answer. You know, I, I you could ask me that 10 times and I'll have 10 different answers. And then you go ask the next guy and they'll have 10 different answers. Um, but I think one universal truth is that if you're not catching fish, do something different. Um, you know, so say we were fishing streamers, maybe n- switch it up to nymphs. Uh, if you, you know, fishing shallow water, try deep water. It just do something different. That's number one. Uh, number two, I think if you if you do have a little bit of success, focus really hard on that area or that type of thing. Um, I what I've been really really noticing in the last two years is on slow days, if you ha- if you like move one fish on a streamer or something, the fish will group up. Is what I'm saying, and you'll have an hour of nothing. And then boom, three hits in, you know, a hundred yards or, or even less. So focus on those areas where you are finding fish. And if that means back rowing up to go through a hole again, do it because you know, the fish are there and they're responding to you. Um, so do different stuff, focus on the fish that you find and just, you got to stay confident and don't get beat up mentally. I think that's an important one too. And don't complain to, to whoever's uh, rowing the boat. Don't complain that you're not catching any fish. 
Well, uh, you know, when I was up in Montana, though, um, (laughs) I'm sure it was better. I'm sure it was better than when you were fishing with me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. That was uh, I think that was that was the best short of uh, short of my very special nickname. I think that was. uh, (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, Yeah. Short of my very special nickname. I think that was the best line uh, line of the trip was anytime. For those that don't know or don't understand, uh, that is a common uh, common thing uh, that clients will throw at uh, your fly fishing guide. <laughs> yeah, as as a as a guide, I've had plenty of that. Well, I'm not a guide currently, but in my time as a guide, I had plenty of hard days, and can't tell you how many times I heard, "Well, when I was in Montana, we caught a lot more fish than this." <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, and I know I'm not the only one with that experience. It's a pretty universal thing. So um, the bottom line is, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I'm right here trying to catch fish for you. I don't want to hear about how you had a better time somewhere else. I'm I'm working hard for you right now. So let's just try to catch fish. <laughs> you want to you want to know a quicker way to catch less fish? Bitch about, yeah. bitch about your guy do his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because then uh, my motivation goes way down. <laughs> and I just start looking at the watch a lot more. And <laughs> hey, look, I'm rowing faster. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, we're here. <laughs> oh man, you know it's it's funny. I was uh, you know, following you on Instagram and watching your stories. And you know, one of the things I enjoyed why I started following you was just your your no bullshit attitude. The whole the whole yeah. thing. You have a good time out there, and I just remember like. I think my favorite comments are people that get so butthurt that you go out and you have fun fly fishing and you're like, yeah. you're goofy and you like are a real person. Like, <laughs> I, I think there's uh what's become evident to me is that there's a certain contingent of people that think injecting good times or humor into fly fishing is strictly forbidden. It's supposed to be super serious you're not allowed to have fun or joke around. And there are people that get really offended by uh, humor in fly fishing and it just sets them off. And obviously <laughs> those people are morons, but, um, and they just, they uh, feel the need to let me know their feelings. And so I just take that and run with it, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, here's the deal. You're not, you're not like pulling fish out of the water and like, you know, uh, humping them. You're not like, you're not killing, you're not killing the fish. You know, you're not disrespecting the fish. You may be disrespecting the people on the train that's passing by, but (laughs) (laughs) no, no. And I mean, I try to, I try to mind my P's and Q's with all that stuff about good ethics and stuff. Um, I mean, I, I, I preach it all the time. So I have to practice it as well. Not that I'm only practicing it because I'm making videos about it. I do in real life too. But also what you see in my videos is um, sometimes it's not always perfect. Sometimes the fish does flop in the boat or, you know, sometimes I do snag a fish accidentally. Uh, And I think it's important to show that side of it, but also I'm demonstrating that I'm not doing that kind of stuff on purpose and it is an accident and I still have respect for the the animal or the resource because uh, I could just I could really easily edit out 
all the bad casts and the hooking trees and snag fish and things like that, but that's not real. And uh, I tried to take a very real approach to this and tell people, not only tell people what fly fishing is really like, but also show them, um, you know, whether it's my instructional videos where I try to basically take the complication out of it and make it more simple than it seems. Uh, and also showing the reality of what happens when we're out there fishing and yeah, break fish off, lose fish. We make mistakes all the time. And I think probably the vast majority of fishing media doesn't show any of that. It's just a bunch of heroes doing the right thing all the time. I mean, you know, we are heroes though. Like, it's, I mean, <laughs> yeah, of course. Duh. I could, I could be, I could be your hero, baby. Um, wow. Uh, you are, I don't Sam. Know. <laughs> where, are you, where are you going with that one? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I just, you know, want to wash away your pain. Um, <laughs> appreciate it. You know, Ben, I, I'll, I'll stand by you forever. Um, thanks. Pal. Anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, so, all right. Somebody new wants to start fly fishing. They want to put together uh, a decent rig that's going to last them a while. That they're going to be able to fish, you know, as wide of a possible of a array of scenarios with just a good starter rig. What's like? I mean, brand. You can mention a brand. You don't have to. But what's someone putting together? It's it's a nine foot five weight. That's it. It's a nine foot fly rod in, in a five weight. So some of the people listening to this might not even know that rods come in different weights. Um, you know, like a one weight is something you would use for a tiny little four inch fish. And if you're going tuna fishing, you're using a, a 14 weight. So you want to get a nine foot five weight. Uh, you can do everything from little brook trout to bass or even some light salt water with that. Um, I think the vast majority of people getting into fly fishing are going for trout and a nine foot five weight is perfect and super versatile. If someone is listening to this and they live on the, you know, Florida coast or something like that, if you're going to be saltwater fishing all the time, it just make that an eight weight instead of a five weight. So we'll just go to the general trout fishing thing, nine foot five weight. I would say spend at least $150 on the rod. Um, the more money I want to say, I want to say the more money you spend, the better, but that's not really the case. But don't don't get a $50 rod. That's going to be junk. It will. Now, certainly you can go out and catch fish with it, but it's probably not going to be super responsive. It's probably not going to have a good warranty where if you break it, you can get a new one basically for free. So you don't need to spend $1,000. i would say spend $150 or more. Uh, and then you want to get a premium line. So a premium line these days is... 75 to $120. Uh, and then you skimp on the reel. If you're an average fisherman fishing for trout or whatever, the reel is the least important part. You, you don't need a good drag. I'll use my drag sometimes, but I mean, you're not, you're not, you're, these fish aren't going to make big long runs. I mean, if you see your backing, you're, you're most of the time doing something wrong. I haven't seen my backing on a trout in long, long, I mean, many, many, many years. <laughs> um, so, nine foot five weight, 150 bucks or more, put the money into the rod and line and, uh, and then skimp on the reel. And then, um, 
I, ha- I have a video about how to choose a fly rod. And that's the thing. That's another question is, you know, well, which rod, if you have, if, if there's a fly shop near you, the best thing to do is to go and try different rods and see which one works best for you. The general notion is that a faster, stiffer fly rod is a better fly rod, but that is not always the case. I know for me personally, uh, most of the time, a medium flex fly rod suits my cast better. Everyone has a different way or a different casting stroke. So super stiff fly rod isn't always best for me, depending on what I'm doing. Um, so consequently, I can fish cheaper rods. Um, some of the faster rods tend to be more expensive and people think they're inherently better because they're more expensive, but that's not the case. But my point is if you can go cast a bunch of different rods and a fly shop is the place to do that. Um, big box store, you're not going to get the service, a fly shop, you will. Uh, and then, you know, it's always great to support small businesses. You can buy the rod from them rather than trying it there and buying it on Amazon. Uh, but then on the other hand, I do understand that not everybody has a fly shop near them. In that case, I'd just say, wing it, man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's your first rod. You, you, you don't even know how you cast anyway. So, and you know, I think, uh, to a certain degree, I am a product of the rods that I fish and I have these a whole bunch of these certain rods that I fished for 15 years or so. And, uh, I just learned how to cast those rods. And so that's, the way I cast most of the time. Um, so yeah, if, if, if you need to just buy one site unseen off the internet, just bite the bullet and take a chance and go for it. Uh, it's not going to be the last rod you ever get anyway. It's, you know, it's, it's like golf. You don't play with just one club. You're going to have a, a wide quiver of fly rods. If you, if you like fly fishing and stick with it. And so you mentioned the premium line and there's, there's a lot of different types of, types of line out there. What are, what kind of line are they looking for as far as a premium line? Uh, a gen- good, uh, great question. I didn't answer that. Um, a weight for, uh, just a general weight forward floating line. So, uh, lines come in different tapers. Pretty much everything these days is a weight forward line. Um, and then they come some float, some sink, some just the tip sinks. Some are, some are in- intermediate, but your general all purpose line is a weight forward line. And then you would match the line to the rod weight. So I said, get a nine foot five weight rod that you would get a five weight line that corresponds to that. Um, you can monkey with those uh, parameters some, but if you, you know, basic, simple setup, nine foot five weight rod, five weight, weight forward, floating line, whatever reel you can slap on there. And so, and we, we talked about this a little bit on the boat, the difference between a floating line and a sinking line and why you would choose one over the other for different situations, like a general usage, I guess. Yeah. Um, most of the time you're going to be using a floating line. You will be using a sinking line if you are fishing subsurface under tension, like retrieving flies, like a streamer, or if you're in a lake and you're fishing aquatic insects, but you want to have them deep and like so the difference is like if you were nymphing under a bobber you're fishing subsurface flies but you're not fishing under tension and you're you're you're, so you're getting a drift instead of retrieving your flies you still want to wait forward line for that you would want a sinking or sink tip line basically for streamer fishing for trout 
or uh, stripping uh, your fly back in a lake or certain saltwater applications and where you need to get deep because in fly fishing, pretty much our main limiting factors is depth. Uh, we'll never get as deep as, as the other guys, but that's fine. Um, but most of the time, wait forward and uh, sinking. And I hardly ever use full sink lines. I don't think I even own any right now. If I'm streamer fishing, it's a sink tip. Uh, they're much easier to cast than a full sink line. And I don't need to get 25 feet deep. I need to get five feet deep. Mm-hmm. You know? But there are people that uh, fish really deep in lakes and they use full sink lines and they're literally fishing 25, 30 feet deep or like off the coast of California for um, those like calico bass. Those guys are using full sink lines. So it, it's situationally dependent, but for your average Joe, it's usually going to be a floating line. Gotcha. So say somebody, uh, you know, somebody just finished uh, watching a river runs through it on satellite. Um, and they're like, I want to, man, I want to start fly fishing. They, they're like, Oh, this huge fly fisherman guy, man. He must be, he must be like the guy to find out fly fishing chip from. Um, what, you know, say they come to you and say, Hey, I want to learn fly fishing, but I don't want to end up beaten and dead in an alley. Uh, how do I, Oh wait, sorry. Movie reference. Um, <laughs> they, you know, they're like, I want to, I want to learn fly fishing, but you know, all this stuff's like super complicated and it's really technical. And I got to learn it. I, I don't know, man, it seems really cool, but I don't know if I can do this. It's kind of intimidating. What would you, what would you tell that person? What recommendations would you give them? Uh, well, first of all, I agree that I'm with it, that it seems intimidating. Uh, it really does. Um, if, if their pocketbook can allow it, hiring a guide will shorten the learning curve immensely. You can learn in, in a day with a guide, you, you know, you'll learn what would have taken you maybe an entire year even. Um, but obviously you know, guides are expensive. I can't afford to hire guides either. You know, it's like, (laughs) you know, three to $800 a day. Not everyone can do that. So obviously YouTube videos, reading stuff, all that's okay, but there is no substitute for getting out there and doing it. Um, That is the most important thing. And you just have to be willing to, maybe not fail, but, uh, struggle in the beginning. Um, it's, it's going to be a long learning curve. I've been doing this for over 30 years and there's, I'm still well in that curve of learning. So don't expect to be really successful right away, but that, you know, going out and, and, and flailing and, Oh, that's how you learn to untangle knots is by getting, (laughs) is by getting tangled in the first place, you know, or, Oh, I got caught in trees and now I know how to get my fly out of trees or I keep missing all these fish. That's how you figure out how to hook the fish. Um, so be ready to, for that long learning curve and not immediate success, which is tough in, you know, today's age, everyone wants that instant gratification, uh, and fly fishing is not going to give you that. Uh, as far as the catching of fish, it will give you instant gratification of having a good time if you approach it the right way. Um, so that's one thing that is important is you don't have to catch fish to have a good time. And if you approach it that way, you're going to love it. You know, um, you get to be outside, you get to ride around in boats, you get to hang out with people, get to drink beers on the side of the river or, or the ocean or whatever. Um, so if you approach it with that 
attitude, then you'll be successful regardless of whether or not you catch fish. But uh, I kind of am straying from your original question. Um, Hire a guide, get as much education as you can off the river, and then get out there as much as you can. That, that is the most important thing. There's no way to learn this unless you get out there and do it. And, uh, and also that includes going out and practicing casting, whether aside from fishing, you know, it, whether it's on your lawn or, or whatever, or sitting, watching TV and tying knots. That's how you learn to tie knots. You don't learn to tie knots in the river where there's fish rising in front of you and you're freaking out and hurrying and trying to tie this knot. No, you do it while you're watching TV or whatever. So practice, practice, practice. All right. People want to follow along with all the, the huge excitement. Where can they find you online? Uh, Instagram is huge fly fisherman. Uh, obviously YouTube is huge fly fisherman. I do have a Facebook page, but that's for old geezers as we all know. Um, <laughs> So uh, I have a website, hugeflyfisherman.com. You can see my videos there and uh, you can buy Huge Fly Fisherman merch. I got hats and hoodies and shirts and stickers. Uh, We just came out with uh, youth shirts so your kids can get them. Um, And uh, that is where you can find me. And uh, the, the merch sales is really what keeps this all going right now and allows me to, to keep doing this because it takes a lot of time and uh, a little bit of money too. So (laughs) that's, yeah, that's what's keeping it going right now. Awesome, man. Well, I'm glad we finally got to sync up again and uh, tie this one off with a nice little bow Um, Yeah, or uh, a nice little blood knot. If or we're, we're staying either in one. There we either go. One. You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's my that's my next project while I'm watching TV is learning how to tie that blood knot. Uh, yeah. Well, and let me throw this in there. There's only a couple you need to know. Um, you know, that's one of the things that makes it seem intimidating. Oh, there's 17 different knots. I use three knots all year long. I use a clinch knot or improved clinch knot to tie my fly on. I use a blood knot and a double surgeon's knot to attach my leader to tip it. And every now and then I'll have to tie a nail knot because. I'm old school and I like to tie nail knots. Most people don't know how to do that anymore. So that's just an example of where it seems really complicated, but it's not. You only got to know a couple knots. Well, like of, of all the things that to like learn from, from a video or from YouTube or from the internet, that's the, like the easiest thing out of fly fishing to learn yeah. is, is the knots. Yeah. Cause you uh, really, yeah. Okay. You can have someone show it to you, but literally having the diagram in front of you and just watching a video it's not well the diagram it, it is not always so easy the if you're watching someone do it with their hands that's way better I yeah think. yeah but i feel yeah. like that's of all the things you can learn from a video when it comes to fly fishing there's no excuse to be intimidated by the knots like yeah it, correct you can sit and buy any sort of line and just sit there and tie them yeah. <laughs> all straight down the line. Yeah. you got a big old string of blood knots yeah um and it's and it's not tying is one of the few things that is within your control in fishing uh because 98% of stuff is out of your control um and and tying knots that's something that that's up to you where if they're not failed it's your fault it's not bad luck it's your fault there you go all right man thank you so much i'm gonna make sure to link to all your socials the videos everything on the show notes page that'll be at the wildinitiative.com slash 176 but thanks for hopping on again All right. Thanks, pals. Good to talk to you. 
All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. 